Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 24 for Sunday, January 27th, 2019. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, but you might know him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello! What sort of time do you call this, getting me in the studio on a Sunday? This is <laughs> normally one of my more casual evenings after I've done my stream and had my dinner, but uh, yes, the reason that we are recording on a Sunday instead of a Monday, although you folks will be hearing this on Monday or possibly after, is that we have a guest with us who you know, would have preferred to record on the weekend. So joining us today is Whip. You may know him as Fwip because of the uh, the spelling of his YouTube handle. He is youtube.com slash Fwip, where he has 13.5 thousand subscribers and a very successful building with Whip series. Uh, he can also be found streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Fwip TV. That's F-W-H-I-P in all cases. Whip, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I'm super excited to be here. I've been a long time listener so it's cool being able to jump on here and chat with you guys about all this stuff i keep listening into the show being like you know i got a comment on that that'd be <laughs> i can throw some input in here so I finally, I finally got my chance for this one <laughs> <laughs> you got your shot this is your time your uh your your hour of being able to opine about minecraft as if we don't all do that on youtube constantly anyway <laughs> right? yeah no yeah. never I, I never talk about this game <laughs> yeah living vicariously throughout the youtube the minecraft creators that i watch uh for anybody that's tuning in this is our very first roundtable episode so sometime would you think johnny was like november or december when we unlocked this i think december i think we just kind yeah. of got it at the beginning of december this is yeah one of our uh, our patreon milestone goals that we hit yeah so what we're going to do is we're going to turn one of our weekly episodes per month more than likely the last week of the month into a roundtable discussion where instead of going through the normal show format, we are going to bring on a guest like Whip and we each have brought a topic to discuss later in the show. So the bulk of this episode is going to be dedicated to the discussion with the news and email taking a slightly smaller, uh, I guess, portion than say your normal Spawn Chunks episode. Uh, there are still uh, pre-show and post-show stuff for our patrons over at patreon.com slash the Spawn Chunks. So you can expect that there. And I believe, uh, Whip, you are going to hang around for a little bit in the post-show as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm free. Awesome. <laughs> should be should be a lot of fun. Uh, so I have not been up to a lot in Minecraft, uh, but what I have been doing to tease my Twitch stream that I did earlier today is a lot of planning for some Minecraft play on the realm of Vastin. So I did a stream earlier today where I was doing pixel art and I was planning out this this tree. So it was this really cool mesh of me being able to do my thing, my art thing and also talk Minecraft. So I was able to talk Minecraft and art in the stream with people, and it was an absolute ton of fun. Um, and I feel much more prepared now to jump into to Vastin uh, and tackle this tree. And uh, I, I have to say, there was some really cool questions and stuff in the chat about art. And I'd, I'm just, I'm curious about, about this with you guys. Do you use a lot of art for inspiration or you turn to more Minecraft? related stuff i think historically for me it's always been a case of looking at other people's minecraft builds because i don't know like maybe i just didn't have the art resources like the stuff that you've linked and mentioned in the show uh, about art station and finding concept art and stuff like that has right. really started to 
you know, inspire some cool stuff as far as I'm concerned. But I feel like there are so many artistic people within the Minecraft community that it is possible, while perhaps a little bit limited in scope, to find that kind of inspiration just from the things people have created in Minecraft over the years. You've got a 10-year mm. game, you've got a 10-year sort of lifespan of people using creative and survival mode to create all of these wonderful things. It gives you an idea of what's possible and it gives you a look at the resources required to make that stuff. Because sometimes when I'm looking at more complex uh, you know, concept art kind of stuff. I think, well, that looks really cool, but I'm not sure how I would recreate that, like what combination of blocks and stuff I would use. Whereas mm. I think it's a little bit easier for me or has been easier for me in the past to see what resources were available, see where people were using what resources in making these kind of fantastic things. But yeah, it's definitely something I'm, I'm finding more and more inspiration from lately is a more diverse range of sources. How about you, Whip? Uh, I was going to say, it's funny that you say that you mostly go towards the Minecraft side of things because I'm actually the exact opposite. I find that myself, if I use somebody's Minecraft build or something like that, I'll try and take a few pieces of it. But I quickly find myself, even if I'm not staring at the build or we're producing my own thing, just taking a lot of exactly what they did instead of sure. thinking through it myself, which is a lot of what I try and do because a lot of people... I don't really do a whole lot of tutorials or things like that because most of what I do, I'm actually just making it up as I go. There's no rhyme or reason to how a lot of things I create are done. So for me, I like to go into, I actually have a, I have a Pinterest account that I just is flooded. I think I I just broke over like 10,000 images like saved on different <laughs> Pinterest boards. Wow. And so I, if I ever need something, they're all categorized into like house designs or maybe if I'm trying to do something fantasy elven design or something like that, I just start scrolling through there and see a few different elements of things that I enjoy or I just find one like maybe I kind of like this and Pinterest is a really cool thing. Not that I'm advertising for them or not, but uh, you can click on one of the images you have and they actually have a search tool where you can like crop out a part of the image and be like, I want to find more things similar to this. And then through their algorithms, they'll pull up a bunch of stuff. So I've actually been using that probably for the wow. past like eight months, nine months for where I find the ideas for a lot of the builds that I'm doing. So, but I find that if I look at the Minecraft side of things and actually other people's builds, I feel like that I'm not being as creative and I'm just kind of reproducing a part of what somebody else did instead of finding my own way to do it. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, I think, to find that balance between, you know, taking inspiration from somebody else's build and just copying it block for block. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, Johnny, what have you been up to in game this week? Uh, this week, I have been focusing on actual stuff from the Aquatic update because I've uh, finally got as far as getting a trident in my Minecraft Survival Guide series and had a, a nice, fun discussion in the comments about whether we should put Riptide or Loyalty and Channeling on it. A lot of people very keen on having me make a charged creeper farm, so I'm going to have to <laughs> hang around for a few thunderstorms and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Tridents and Coral. I've been trying to incorporate a little bit more of that stuff because I feel like I... I missed out on including the new blocks, the kind of coral blocks and fans and everything into some of the builds that I was doing on Decidedly Vanilla when the aquatic update first dropped. And so now I've got this big city that I'm working on in Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm trying to find ways of working the coral in. Finally found my first coral reef after searching the oceans for a drowned that was going to give me a trident in the first place. And I didn't want to set up the big kind of drowned farm in the sky. So I went out and got a a, a trident from a drowned naturally which was a couple of hours of intensive searching of all of the ocean ruins <laughs> so that i could get it done and not have it i think i think on 
on TV, when we when I've got tridents in the past, I've either used the drowned farm that Nashcrafter made, which is a copy of Doc M's farm, which is a copy of an El, El Mango farm, again, with the, the block-for-block block <laughs> copies of everybody else's stuff. But with technical <laughs> Minecraft, you can excuse it, I guess. But uh, yeah, the, the only ones that I've got sort of naturally have happened almost by accident. I've been working on the cruise ship that I was building. A drowned would swim up to me with a trident. I'd attack it with a looting sword. It would drop the trident. And that's only like a 12% chance of it happening. So... Yeah, going out and finding one is tough. And then, of course, I had a bunch of people in uh, who are like bedrock players in the comments saying, hey, you can just, you know, drown a zombie spawner and all of the drowned in there will drop tridents. I have like a double chest of them. And I was like, guys, I play Java. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the sad parts. Yes. One, of the, one of the few better parts about bedrock. <laughs> yeah, you can... You can use, it's a lower percentage, but you can use a zombie spawner to create drowned and farm nautilus shells. I think it drops about half the rate. Do they, do they actually spawn as drowned with, I thought like when drowned converted from zombies, they didn't get like stuff held in their hands. Does that, I, I could, believe I, there's I, still I a really low chance for them to drop the nautilus shell, even if they're not holding it. But okay. then I'm the opposite of a technical player, so don't take yeah. my word on that. Yeah, I've, no, I've done. I, you could be right. You could be right. I, I thought I thought I looked it up, and I because I was thinking like, hmm, do I want to bother to turn my my um my zombie spawner into a into a drowned spawner? Because I mean, if, I mean, if it's one extra step, then it doesn't really matter. If if it doesn't work, then whatever. I still get the same you know rotten flesh drops, which is the purpose of it, because I'm using it for for emerald traits but i thought i thought i read somewhere and again i could be wrong that it was a, a lower percentage like it's much lower but at the same time you're like well if it's if it's an afk thing well it doesn't really matter i'm not wasting time right yeah i think i think it is you get gold instead of iron from uh from drowned that are converted but i don't think you get any kind of gear i think they have to spawn naturally with it held in their hand but then there's like a small chance of them spawning with it, but then there's a hundred percent chance of you getting it if it's a Nautilus shell because it's in their offhand. And right. yeah, I th I think that's how it works. I've been looking up this stuff on the Minecraft wiki mainly so I don't misinform people in my episodes. And right. so yeah, if it's yeah. not on the Minecraft wiki, I haven't mentioned it in the show, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a mechanic mm -hmm. that exists. It's just not well documented enough or proven that it's you know been able to be cited on the wiki with sources and everything. So. I could be yeah. wrong. I, 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 I look forward to being proven wrong one of these days. <laughs> and that's and that's okay, though, because, I mean, they, they operate on the same level as beacons. And I'm okay with how difficult it is to get um, wither skeleton skulls and, and actually craft a beacon, considering the, the, the benefit they give you in terms of, like, haste to mining and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I, I'm not necessarily looking to cheat it. I was just looking at, like, when I repair my farms, the things that broke after I switched over to 1.13... I wanted to say like, well, should I bother to turn this into a into a, a drowned farm, or should I just leave it as a zombie zombie farm? I honestly, I to to see uh, to quote other um, Minecrafters that have made proper drowned farms. I think the most fun I've seen is Tango's from I think this season of Hermitcraft. Uh, he he used like bubble elevators to and a, and a villager on the ocean floor to lure the drowned towards it and then shoot them into the sky nice yeah 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 <laughs> like it was just, just the kind of things that you can only see with with that kind of play like was, it's completely was over the, the top who but... made the iron farm built by drowns with tridents killing the iron golems yes, yes. Yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah yeah <laughs> that, yeah. that one blew my mind i was i could not <laughs> yeah really really cool stuff uh whip what about you what have you been up to in minecraft this week uh, so a lot of what I've been focusing on recently is been working on uh, my castle, 
my second castle in my survival world, which is kind of like a fantasy wizard themed castle. And it's been a lot of work over the last while. So I'm finally close to finishing it up. Uh, this week I'm finished up the last tower design as well as like the grand, like um, I'm trying to think of the way to like the entrance hall area where all like the wizards would be sitting, all the leaders would be sitting in there. So I finished up those areas. And so it's been a lot of just building and placing a bunch of blocks and <laughs> trying to make some things look unique. So it's cool kind of seeing that project as it's moving to being finished for at least the exterior of it. Uh, and so now I'm really just focused on finishing up the last few little bits of like building in the big grand doorways and adding in all the details that I missed along the way. So it actually looks pretty finished. So that's been really fun for me is working on those things. And then on top of that, I actually, which I promised to my community way back in November was I finally am getting a server release for my Patreon community uh, starting oh, nice. in the beginning of February. So I'm finally getting things like that done. So I actually got to have the experience this week of for the first time and I think two years now, I was able to jump into a Minecraft world where it was just me, nothing had been done yet, and wow. survive the first few nights alone, which was really fun being able to kind of go back to that original Minecraft roots of, because it's been so long since I've done that, and simple things that were really interesting along the way that I now take for granted so much is that like, I was trying to work on building a roof on the house that I was working on and I kept falling off and taking so much damage because I didn't <laughs> have the enchantments on my boots. And then also I didn't have ender pearls to get back up to the top of them. So I went back to building the old dirt scaffolding staircases to be able to jump up to the top. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's pretty much what I've been up to. It's just <laughs> messing around with those things. We get so used to those home comforts, don't we? The home comforts of having like a pair of elytra so you can fly up to something high or like some ender pearls or whatever. And it's 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 always bizarre when they get taken away. But uh, we were talking about having a fresh start in our, one of our first episodes of this year. And yeah, it's it's always kind of fun just getting that that thrill of, oh, I'm vulnerable again now. And this game actually feels like a little bit of a challenge for the early stages when in, in these really developed worlds, we always end up taking that stuff for granted. Yeah. If I was to do a start over again, I think I would enjoy it far more if I did it either with somebody that was brand new to the game. And then we and that was like a new member of the server or with someone that just doesn't play that often you know like they just they're not an end game player they're the really casual person on the server that just has popped in from time to time but popped in after everything was already set up so they didn't necessarily have to worry about peril and you know everything's all very well lit and there's a lot of buildings to duck into if you get into trouble uh so i haven't had that experience but if i did I, i'd like to do that with someone that's that's just like oh crap like what what do i do now like i think that would be it'd be kind of fun to experience that through yeah it's through funny that you players. mentioned that uh my girlfriend's dad he actually recently downloaded minecraft on his ipad he's oh, never cool. been a gamer at all before in his life he's or he's been like occasionally like maybe back when like the original call of duty's release he played those for a little bit but it's been funny going to like dinners with her family and just like hanging out with them and all of a sudden like last last night we met up with them for like an early just dinner to hang out and he started off instantly just like hey i just got to the nether what do i do here <laughs> i love I that no <laughs> i love that so much i love people who are That's just like awesome. so so can i can i talk to you about this minecraft thing because uh it's I'm, I'm getting really far and i don't know what to do and i'm like yes my people talk to me <laughs> so good that's amazing 
And I'll, I'll be like, sure to send him your way, Pix. Oh yeah, you'll, <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll have to keep us updated on his progress too, because I'm, I'm yeah. really excited whenever, like, just individual people like that who who don't normally play games, but for whatever reason, Minecraft draws them in. And yeah, this stuff is is fascinating to me. So yeah, let let us know how he gets on when yeah. he's when he's beaten the Ender Dragon for the first time. Come talk to us again because that would be that <laughs> yeah. Would be he's fantastic. he's been playing on the Bedrock Edition since he's on his iPad. So I keep trying to be like, oh, you can do these things. Like he was like, there's all these sunken ships out in the water. How can I get out there without drowning? Like I don't have a. So I was telling him about enchantments. He was like, wait, that's too far above me. Like I don't have any diamonds <laughs> yet. I don't have anything. And I was yeah, like, yeah. oh well. What I do is when I don't have that stuff is I take a door with me and I just place that on the ground and it creates an air pocket and then you can breathe in there. Apparently that doesn't work on bedrock. Yeah, I think doors I never... can be waterlogged on bedrock, I think. Yeah, so yeah. I told him this thing and I was like, yeah, just swim down there, take your little oak door with <laughs> no. you and plop it up right there. And he gets down there and he's at like one bubble left and we're all hanging out there and he puts the door down and it no air appears and he's just like you lied to me <laughs> you lied and to me he ended up you. just drowning and dying and he was just like i trusted you you're the one who plays this game i'm like i'm sorry so I, I, I think he's i think he's picking up the java edition <laughs> so that he, oh, i can actually man. help him out <laughs> yeah can you, you imagine the live action reenactment of that as a funny youtube video of this, this person on the on the ocean floor grabbing a door and opening and shutting it underwater with nothing happening <laughs> they're wondering with panic why it's is like, nothing why happening? can't i breathe <laughs> Jeez. Oh, too funny. Uh, well, we in the in the last uh, week or so, we had a very small update. Actually, it was a day late. The, uh, the snapshot 18W14A. Sorry, 19W14A, correct? Uh, uh, yeah, no, out. that's that's a typo on my part in the show notes. Sorry, 19W04A slash B, because we had a... Slash uh, B. A second update for uh, bug fixes and so forth. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So moving on to the news, uh, Johnny, you had a couple of thoughts about what uh, what came out with the new snapshot. Yeah, the, the main highlight of this one was the stone cutter having functionality. There were bug fixes and stuff like that, but we're slowly starting to see these blocks kind of fill in their actual uses. We had this with the cartography table before. Now we've got it with the the stone cutter, and it's fun. It doesn't replace the crafting table for these recipes, but it allows easy and sometimes even cheaper crafting of slabs stairs and stone bricks from stone type blocks uh this doesn't work for wood so if you try and put wood in there it's not going to give you a wooden stair or anything like that it's only for stone type stuff and some people on the reddit were even suggesting like maybe you could change it to be a cutting table so that it worked more consistently for other materials but the interesting thing about this for me is not only is it bulk crafting through a different crafting interface but it's also it allows one-to-one -one crafting for stuff like stairs. So no longer do people have to put in six stair blocks into a crafting interface to only get four stairs out. You can put one block of stone brick in and remove one block of a stone brick stair. And that that to me is fascinating because it's it's changing really like long-established things about the ratio of what blocks you get for what in the game, which is really quite interesting to me. Have you guys had a chance to check out the snapshot or at least like take a look at the functionality and, and what do you guys think of it? Go ahead, Whip. I actually, I I haven't looked at it too much yet, but that's interesting that you say on that stair or the full block to the stair part, because I know a lot of people when 1.13 came out, started creating those data packs so that you got more, like I believe on Hermitcraft or it might just be Wells Knight's uh, single player world himself where he gets the eight stairs out of the six blocks that you put into it because yeah. that'd be lossless. But I like that they added that into the snapshot to where there's still a little bit of loss on that. So you don't get that perfect transition of just like every single part of that block is used. Like there's still some lost in it. I'm, I'm a little concerned with where it's going with this one though. I, I don't really know how to feel about the, 
a lot of these new blocks. I, I hope it means there's going to be a lot more things like more because, for example, the the quartz pillar block that we have with all those like the vertical vertical lines that are just so cool like you could use a lot of those pillar designs in a lot of places if we had like a stone version of it so i'm hoping that that means down the road that the stone cutter will allow more intricate designs into like the different types of stone blocks that we can get because right now we have the chiseled stone but we don't really have any other decorative blocks and a lot of what i do involves a lot of stone to it because i'm more medieval fantasy mm. focused yeah so i don't like that bright white quartz pillar there but if i had a version of that that was like made out of stone i would use that all the time so i'm kind of hopeful that maybe something like that'll be added down the road well to add a little fuel to your conspiracy theory uh the interface for the stone cutter has a scroll bar and yet there's not enough recipes in it for any of the existing stone blocks to warrant a scroll bar there's mm -hmm. maybe six and there's certainly room for 12 plus the scroll. So that to hmm. me actually means that maybe we might get uh, some additional uh, some additional block details that you you can't get um, another and like another 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 way. I like the idea of not just having a a uh, pillar kind of design like a quartz pillar, but a cap. I can't remember what they're called. And I sh this is like my a newer cap. Yeah, like my, my art history is failing me. But, you know, like Greek mythology and, and in Greek, you know, uh, history, there's in Roman history, there's the pillars have like a top to them and a bottom to them. And then everything in between is, is that that grooved sort mm, of look. Yeah, definitely. And it'd be nice if you could do something other than the current, like looks like a target carved stone block for the top and bottoms of things. And uh, that would be really, really cool. Um, something that I really found interesting was that you can cut corners, pardon the pun, uh, and go straight from a stone block to a stone brick stair without yeah. having to first craft stone bricks, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and it, it, mm. stone bricks has always had to be like the kind of go-between stage from getting mm -hmm. yeah getting from there. Whereas yeah, you, you can you can both polish and carve the stone in a single action, which yeah like removes a little bit of the time you spend doing stuff like that. But also yeah, is is just an interesting new way of of looking at mm. it and remember this is the stone cutter that's been brought back from minecraft pocket edition where at the time it was one of the only ways you could get stuff like stone brick and chiseled stone and stuff like that because the recipes for it weren't included in the pocket edition crafting interface for some reason so they've kind of had the idea for a while rejected it kind of updated the pocket edition when it came into bedrock and everything to have more akin to the crafting interface we have in java and now they're re-implementing this in a different way. It's really interesting seeing the evolution of that now. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting because I've been, I'm interested to see. So, well, for me ter personally, I'm a terrible misclicker. I misclick recipes all the time and uh -huh. I waste so many resources. So that kind of scares me because I, maybe I'd want to go for like, I'm working on terraforming or something. I want that plain just stone stair or stone slab that we have now, which I'm so excited about. I think that's my favorite thing coming in 1.14, honestly. But like, I'm so worried that I'm just going to be clicking, trying to get some stone stairs, and all of a sudden my inventory is just going to be full of stone brick stairs everywhere. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. back to mining I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that being being a problem. But I, I guess it's just a matter of you know how quickly you want to go through that kind of stuff. Um, I I do find it funny that they give you all the options from just a stone to go to stone bricks. Um, but I, again, it might be also them trying to simplify things too, because if they are adding more 
block variants. Then if there were a ton of block variants for every different block, then it's like, a, like then you start to have to put like stone and stone brick and you have to start putting like each individual thing in the stone cutter, um, which I guess yeah. makes sense in real life. But again, it's, it's one of those things like you know, how much time in the game do you want to spend crafting stuff versus actually yeah. building? <laughs> I feel like it's more like an accessibility thing because like the recipe book yeah. was added and that was great. Like that oh, helps yeah. so many new players and myself who's been playing the game since beta just with being able to remember those weird ones. So like how to make a brewing stand or things like that, that I just <laughs> yeah. never remember Yeah, because I never use them. And so it, it's nice. I'm hoping that it means more accessibility so that they can add more, not complexity, but more depth into the game, just for more variations of everything that we can get out of it. With the scroll bar being there, they're definitely kind of future-proofing it for if they add new blocks in future, that functionality is already there. They don't have to like go back and retroactively add in the scroll bar if it's necessary for the future. So yeah. That's, that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. And we're looking forward to, of course, some of the other stuff that doesn't yet have functionality because we still have a few other things, I think. Uh, I think the bell doesn't do anything yet. I, I mean, it rings, but that's about it. Like, there's still a couple of those things that they've added recently we have yet to get a follow through on, even though we have... Smithing table. Yes. Smithing table yeah, so that's what really I'm excited about. to hear about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really curious. Yes. Well, we can move on into the chunk mail. Uh, we had a number of people write in with uh, questions related to uh, having FWIP on the show this week. Uh, but right now we're going to read one from James T. And then the other emails we're going to work into the conversation a little bit later. So James wrote in and said, Hi, Joel. Pixel Rips and Whip. I really enjoy listening to the Spawn Chunks podcast while grinding for resources. Recently, I am having trouble with a castle I am building. It seemed very plunked down on the land. My question for Whip, what tips do you have for blending builds into the landscape? Thank you for making a good, clean content show and keep up the good work. Well, thanks very much for the email, James. And uh, Whip, what do you think? What what kind of tips can you give uh, James? And we actually, he actually sent a photo as well, which is fantastic, people. If, you, if you're writing in and you've got a specific build question for like Johnny or myself or a guest, then sending a, a screen cap is an excellent idea. Uh, so so Whip, take her away. What, what advice do you have for yeah, uh, uh, James? Yeah, so for this type of stuff, I typically, I kind of think in two different styles right here. One probably will be one more familiar to what everybody's seen. I kind of consider this like the theme park design. I know a lot of people like Scar over on Hermitcraft use this everywhere. So when you're actually inside your build, you feel very much inside the build. But then when you're outside, you're just kind of looking into it. So you kind of hide everything on the exterior into the background. But for me personally, what I like to do is I a lot of the survival world that I'm building up, it's about creating this large endless area that's forever expanding so it doesn't really work to create like that theme park idea but a lot of what i try and do is kind of i don't really have a great name for it yet but basically as you work your way out from the center you do like less and less and less so i like you dilute it kind of as you're working away from the center of your build so whether that's like you're working on building a forest or something so as you work your way out to the edges of the forest the trees get a little bit thinner and maybe start adding some more grass in and maybe you start turning into more of a plains area so i think it's just I, I know you're asking for like questions here or tips on like how to do the transitions. Um, and a lot of the way that I try and think about it is just what would be the in-between of those two areas. So like I was talking about the forest and the plains are connecting. You kind of want to ease the trees out of the forest a little bit. But that also goes for like working in like a city on the outside of your cities. You're going to have a few houses for the villages and maybe the farmers. And a great way to like for me personally that I find for bordering castles and bordering areas like that is I just try and clear cut and chop down all the trees in the surrounding area and turn it into a farmland area. And then that actually looks pretty natural in comparison to everything else. Because if you look at like 
medieval castles in like history and things like that. The areas around them were pretty cut down for all the trees. So it kind of helps with creating that natural, more realistic approach to it as well. Just when in doubt, I think you can either go with Coralisad and add bushes everywhere and add your bushes in. Or for me personally, <laughs> I find just adding giant wheat fields everywhere does pretty much the same job there. <laughs> leaves were going to be the first thing I suggested when I had a chance to chip in. Like, I think leaves really do go well to dressing stuff up. Even like even stuff like dirt and grass blocks around the outside of something if your castle is just flat on a completely flat field of grass to me that's what seems unnatural because when if if you have like the technology that you you're thinking about when people are building castles in medieval times they didn't have like earth movers and things that they could flatten so they had to build the castles with whatever terrain they had so like if a section of a castle is like down 10 feet from one other section of a castle like if, if it's like the the terrain isn't going to be a completely flat structure then they just had to work with that so you know if a castle is built on a hill half of it is going to be like halfway down the slope you know and i i think i think that's working with the topography and not completely flattening out an area if, if you you know give yourself room to build take down those trees fine but i feel like just completely flattening out the entire space around it is what ends up making those builds just feel very much like they've been plopped down there you know I yeah kind of building off of that what you were saying with the hill a lot of when i'm actually trying to build something and choosing a location to build things in uh which i'm actually touching on a video coming out where I'm talking about like what I do for building villages and how to do those things. But anyways, uh, I always try and place things on top of a hill mm -hmm. or next to a river just so that they make kind of more sense. If I can get both of them, that's even better and more perfect. But then it just looks more natural because if like for me, a lot of things are about making it, uh, like pseudo realistic. It's Minecraft after all, so sure. it can't be completely realistic. But I always try and make it look like, OK, if this was like a medieval world, like where would the city here be positioned? And typically like, OK, on top of a hill, because that's a little bit more defensible against anything else. So, yeah, I w I've been watching too much Duke on Red One over my time as a Minecraft player. So everything I lean towards is how can I how can I defend the area? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense, though, because castles were built to be defensible. They were built on top of hills so that they could see for miles around and also mm -hmm. so they could see what their subjects were doing. They could make sure that the peasants were toiling the land and if you build a castle on a river then that castle is probably owned by somebody who basically owns that waterway and is taxing people who come through with various goods on like barges and stuff so like there's there's a purpose behind all of that and that's the reason you see a lot of castles being you know having been built that way in throughout history especially here in the uk there's like there's so many castles not necessarily in this area but there's a bunch of castles that i've been to up north that are just like basically on the top of a hill and they can see until the next like county basically they're mm -hmm. just massive like rolling hills and just views as far as the eye can see because that that was their dominion they like to look out over their kingdom something that i would suggest uh because everything i you know i would i would agree with everything that you guys have just said but not just the landscape but i find that a lot of stuff i see popping up in minecraft reddit and things like that uh the builds just go straight down into the ground and even if the ground is not flat the build itself is still flat and Anything that's a tower or a wall is going to have some sort of reinforced foot to it. So if it's a big, heavy structure, it's going to need a wider base uh, so it doesn't crumble and fall over. So I think like lining, even something as simple as lining your the base of your build with some stairs or maybe a too high block 
kind of lining, anything to make the bottom of a tower or the bottom of a gate look more substantial, I think is also going to make the build feel more planted. It's it's similar to drawing a character where you've got really tiny, tiny feet and they look like they're going to fall over. But if a, a big, strong, heroic character is going to have more sturdy boots, you know, and, and, and stronger legs. So if you have a castle and it's got, you know, little feet, then it's going to look weird. Whereas if you have a stronger base to it, I think you might have some, some more luck there. But thanks so much for, for writing in and thanks for the screenshot. It looks good so far. I like the, it looks like there's a symbol on one of the towers. It's really, really cool. That kind of hanging banner sort of thing they've got on each of the sides. Yeah, I, I like the idea of building larger banners than the two block tie ones that we can craft in Minecraft. I like having kind of big wool standards on the side of buildings mm -hmm. like that. It really adds some character. So yeah, good job. It looks great so far. Can't wait to see see more from you. Vertical carpets, Mo Yang. We want vertical carpets. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, please. Well, that a lot brings of vertical us... things <laughs> for sure. Well, that brings us into the main roundtable discussion. First time, uh, I'm excited. I've been very much looking forward to this for a while, and I think because we have a guest, it would be uh, the best thing to do would be to let Whip go first. So you have a topic that you'd like to throw around the table, my friend. What would you like to discuss? Uh, yeah. So a lot of things as myself personally, I'm a builder. A lot of things I've talked about so far is all about building. I don't understand what redstone does at all. Uh, so the topic that I wanted to bring today was uh, I've been working on a big city build and also a farming area and a castle recently. And all those things have different elements to them. But one thing that I've found consistent across is that when you're building up these areas, you want to add in little details and little things to make your build feel more alive because you can plant in a bunch of houses you can plant in a few trees and things along the sides of it but a lot of the times that i find when people are like hey whip can you take a look at the minecraft build that i'm working on like how can i improve this and just through screenshots and or walking through it or whatever they just feel empty um where there's all these structures in there but how do we make it feel like somebody actually lives there so my topic for today was basically what i guess my question for you guys to get started here is do you guys have some little go-to build details or things that you always add into an area? I try to do it for me it's usually very functional. Like I end up being like a lot of my builds end up being very player functional, so it's a lot of like crafting tables and chests and things like that mm -hmm. around. Uh I default to bushes and paths, I guess, but I don't like I really struggle with any kind of like interior stuff. And I know even just like hearing you say it, I'm thinking about the Citadel and Dartmouth Meadows and there's no like wagons along the path. There's no um, camps or any kind of like little spots, like even just little campfires, like as you're going from one place to another and probably something I'm overlooking. But I find that those smaller details Minecraft tends to not be very good at. And that's why I tend to shy away from it. Uh, Johnny, do you have any like do you have anything that you go go into in, in terms of details for like decorating around a town? I really like doing interiors. I have done for a while. I feel like lately I've shied away from them because a lot of the stuff that I've been building has been there's like a redstone farm or like some kind of technical build in there that I'm just trying to enclose within a house. And so when I build the facade for it, it doesn't really have any room inside for this is actually someone's house. But when I built my farmhouse on Minecraft Survival Guide, one of the first things I did was an example video for a sort of interior decoration. And I was like, okay, we can build a kind of kitchen area here and the room is divided up a little bit. And then there's a seating area. There's a sort of almost lounge area with some place that people are going to be sitting down and eating. I think you can apply the same sort of thinking to when people are going to be walking around a city build 
there's got to be benches and stuff for people to sit and like have their lunch or just sit and watch the other people go by. There are always going to be social areas, meeting areas and stuff like that. And that's what lends a feeling of being lived in for me is like the, the idea mm-hmm. of society, the idea that there are places where people can gather and even if there aren't necessarily any people around, like some people have been suggesting once I've finished building the city that I'm working on to like move a bunch of villagers in. And obviously the problem then is you get zombie sieges and it's not not very easy to to deal with. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the things that makes things feel lived in, even if there aren't people around, is implying that there are people by giving places for them to be. Stuff that doesn't just have to have a function or to be a, a, a structure that things that aren't structures is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. You yeah. Have to dot stuff around, you know, like a pile of hay or, and this is unfortunate where, where I feel like sometimes custom texture packs go a long way for, where, where vanilla Minecraft sometimes comes up short is like, I, I have a pack and forgive me whip. I don't know whether it's yours or whether it's, it's uh Jersey boys that has this, but the note block is a crate. Yeah, and, I think we both have it. Yeah. And so <laughs> I remember correctly. And so the I mean the default note block, well, yes, you could put it down and it sort of looks like a crate and if it's in the I always place... thought the default one looks a little bit more like a crab pot than a crate for yeah, some reason. Okay. I've always wanted to put it on the docks. I've mm-hmm. seen them more on docks. Yeah, like I've seen them more on docks in, in YouTube videos and stuff like that. And you know, suspension of disbelief, like you I can kind of get there. But it's so much nicer when it actually looks like a crate mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it just it's it's one of those things where you've got all these wood blocks and all these abilities to craft like trap doors in minecraft and yet you can't make something that is a block i mean it's not going to add any extra functionality then we've got barrels are coming so that's going to help yeah i was going to say like, ba- that's, that's barrels definitely. are going to really bring more yeah. life into those city areas yeah um i yeah. would say the, the one thing that i've always wanted to add to the meadows that i haven't yet is a well and i feel like when you start to add things like that like wells and docks and um, like you had mentioned in, in response to James's email about having it, you know, a castle kind of in the middle of nowhere is kind of weird. It's, it's the same thing with houses. Like, I mean, people don't build their house as far away from wood, food, and water as they possibly can. Like, they tend to build a lot closer to that kind of stuff. So I find, like, putting in roads and, and having those kind of things around help. But I, I mean, I am the worst person for interiors, guys. Like, I just... <laughs> I like everything hey, about if it. If you is at like, least put a block in there, you're doing more than me. Oh man, like <laughs> a flower flower pot with a posy in it, and you're like, all right, that's it. That's someone was here once, and they put a flower inside. Although, oh well, I'm excited about the campfire. I think that's going to help uh, mm-hmm. with adding mm-hmm. a little bit of life to the inside of of stuff. And uh, yeah, although I I also say it not just visually. I've been experiencing a lot of really cool things on Vastin. I discovered this today when I logged in just to take a screenshot. And I walked over to the main entrance near the coast. And I think I've mentioned this before on the show where there's a command block that plays tavern noises in the town square when you walk close enough to it. Well, they've added another one. And now when you're close enough to the main entrance, it plays seagull noises. Nice. Yeah. It's All right, I'm, I'm really going to have cool. to reach out to fix it and figure out oh, how I can steal that from him. <laughs> it helps so much. And you don't even have to see them. But like, I live in the Maritimes. I hear seagulls. I in- instantly know exactly what they look like. I know, like, I feel like I'm on the coast. And mm, it, it, it just goes so, so far. So, so far. So I'm, I don't know, visually though, I'm, I'm at a loss. Outside of like piling hay and making hay carts. I mean, with you being a medieval builder, like, imagine you're... The stuff that you can dot around is pretty limited, right? Um, actually, that's kind of one thing that I've been really thankful for. So my 
Minecraft history, I guess you would say, as a Minecraft player, um, back when 1.7.10 was the standard, I was actually a huge uh, conquest builder, so the conquest texture pack. Um, and through there, we had all those extra blocks through the metadatas, which don't exist anymore. But basically, oh, you could, yeah. for every single one block in the game, you had 16 textures that you could apply to it. And you could cycle that through whatever you wanted. So we had a bunch of things available to us. So people in there got super creative in coming up with some unique designs or things. Like a few things that I'd wrote down here was like carts, which you guys had mentioned, but like simple things as like market stalls, adding little veggie gardens to like the corners of houses, like sitting sitting areas, like benches in the park. Um, big things that I try and focus on like exterior wise is more like a smithing area for like the blacksmith to do their work. Or a big thing that I, I really love this one, not many people ever really use it, is like a clay brick oven. Because like most of the time people don't really, I feel like, include ways that like they get a lot of the resources. Like you have your blacksmith where you get your iron tools and all those things. We might have a lumber camp and a lumber mill or we might have a windmill. But like how do we get all the building resources, like adding in the little quarries, adding in a stone mason who maybe turns that stone into the stone mm. brick. Or like the little clay brick ovens, which... You can make designs for those without even any metadata. It's just using full blocks, stairs, and slabs in like a three by three area, uh, which is really cool. So that's stuff that I've always had a lot of fun with, like messing with what can I use to... A, a big thing I try and go for is every single person that lives in my city, whatever I'm doing, uh, they need to have some sort of profession. So mm -hmm. we're going to have this nice. house over here. And in the medieval worlds, a lot of times the people who own that house, that house also serves as their place of work. So what is it that is going to be on the first floor of the house is most likely their storefront, whatever they're working on, or maybe that's what leads into their outside work shed or something like that. Or maybe that's like attached to the building under an overhang, but it's like, what is in that area that can clearly without a sign on the building represent what the person is doing? Uh, Cause one thing I hate throwing on the front of the building is just like, this is the blacksmith without mm. maybe I'll do like some road signs where I'll put an item frame and put like a, a iron pickaxe or an iron axe or something like in there to represent that this dude like makes tools or maybe we'll put like an armor stand full of armor in the window or something like that but i still want to be able to tell that story without actually having to physically write anything down if that kind of makes sense yeah for sure it's 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 as easy as like saying this person who lives here is a baker and then just putting a cake in the front window and you're like yep okay that's that's very clearly a bakery from the outside and from there you can add in details like you know, you're using the kind of cake top colors. So you've got red and white everywhere and maybe blend that for pink so that it looks like a kind of sweet treats kind of bakery with like the yeah, and then front throw a big and... chimney coming out the side of it. And you exactly, got, you got yeah. your baker's oven too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do enough with banners. I don't mm -hmm. do enough with Minecraft banners because I have seen some cool stuff and they're, it's default. Like it is something everybody has access to. If you have the patience to figure out, you know, which way to, you know, which way to dye things in order to, to get the banner to look the right way. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I should really do more of it, and um, hopefully the new is it Loom is the is yeah the, block? the Loom yeah, yeah. Uh, will make that a little bit more accessible to people because I think that also goes a long way. Um, I remember back when uh, Alistair first joined the Citadel, he went and did I think he did like an American, a British, and a Canadian flag because at the time it was myself, him, and Madcast that were playing the most on the server, and you know him being from britain also in canada me being canadian and matt cast being american he just made these banners after looking them up online and, and gave them to us and i hung it on the back of my cabin and didn't think, think too much of it but whenever i walk by that the back of the cabin it just it just adds that little bit of flavor it's like oh yeah right it's a canadian cabin you know so i i'm wondering if more stuff like that is coming uh because a lot of the stuff that you mentioned whip is all either metadata or like sub block like they're 
they're very unique items. It's not necessarily something that you make out of existing Minecraft blocks. Yeah, a lot of it that I try and do is just coming up with a few little things that I, I try and keep everything within like a three by three or a five by five area and be mm. like, can I can I turn this into something that looks like what I want it to be in the end? Might might use a lot of imagination to get there, but <laughs> yeah. I, something that I picked up when I started watching your series ages ago, um, when you were first building your uh, your desert town, and it's it's narrow alleyways, and I find that so much Minecraft stuff is is either go big or go home, and so I find that streets and and well, I say streets, but like you know roads and paths and things, because Minecraft tends to lean med medieval, uh, are often very very wide, and I find that even just having narrow alleyways, despite the fact that you're never going to go down them, but when you walk by them, I think alleyways add a lot of life. Like it feels like access. Like it feels like this is this was here because people needed to go down that way. I don't have to go down that way, but but people needed to go down that way. Do you um do you have any tips for for building like really close together like that? Like is it something you do on purpose or is it something that you just you have a any set of rules for for that kind of stuff? Um, I try and keep one central location for all, all of the builds I'm doing and try and keep everything pretty much as cramped and as close as everything is in there. Um, as far as the streets and road designs go, I try and keep within a village, for example, I try and keep those main roads being like three to five blocks wide and like the alleyways or the passages in between the houses just so that you can kind of tell that it's not really a main roadway is I try and keep those maybe one to two, maybe three blocks wide. Um, but also a big thing that can really sell that idea is if you have your main road with a bunch of gravel and cobblestone in it, uh, maybe have that slowly dispersed down those side alleyways, but then down those alleyways have it mostly be like coarse dirt and maybe a little bit of gravel so that it really feels like a side pathway. Mm -hmm. Just through a lot of the materials that like the player's walking on, you can actually like drive which direction that they actually explore through your town, for example, when they're like coming around to check everything out. And having so. that that like crunch of gravel underfoot and like even the the sound effects changing in the background can really change mm. the ambience of where you're going. You're like, okay, it's clearly a little bit rougher here because it's going <laughs> under my feet instead of like the really kind of neat tapping on stone brick or whatever else you built your your yeah, definitely. main and road then system out of. Also, if you have like the roofs overhanging over the alleyway and you don't have a whole lot of gravel in there, maybe it looks like the rain runoff is coming down and just soaking that area mm -hmm. so that there's not a whole lot of stone in there. It's basically just muddy dirt wise you're walking through to get to the next area. So, mm -hmm. well, speaking of a lot of these little details, uh, we had an email from Fixit uh, and he writes to say, hello, question for Whip. So far, you have two castles in your single player world. What do you think about when you try to make them different, what have you learned from the first castle that you are carrying forward to the second? Um, a lot, a lot of the castle, actually, if you look at the different bits and pieces between the two of them, there's actually a lot of similarities between it. Um, like taking the front gate houses, for example, on both two castles, like you kind of have that central main gateway and then there's two kind of spires off to the sides, making that gatehouse design. Um, but a lot of what I learned about the first one is really where I tried to define a lot of ideas and kind of play with the height and the different levels of the build and make it look like it's building up as you're walking around throughout the castle. So a lot of that one is more about as you enter in through the main castle gate, that one was supposed to be very much focused on defense and like holding this strong area because it's built on a river that or a sea passageway, I guess, that connects the main large ocean in my Minecraft world over to this inner sea area. 
that is that's the only entrance into that and that actually comes into the port area for the big city that i'm building so the first castle i built was really built up as this one that was supposed to be really defending the region where the second one that i've been building has been the wizard castle and that's more been like a fantasy castle slash university type thing so i've been trying to make it look a lot more about like open grand entrance areas a lot more of a magical feel and more like a place where students could be able to live in there and be practicing their trade of being a magician or whatever they're doing in there and communing with their other people inside of there. So it's much more of a friendly environment of come come on inside, come on, sit down on one of the benches in the center area, stare at the gardens around and kind of enjoy your experience in there. Whereas the first one is supposed to kind of be this more big imposing castle that grows as you walk into the castle. As you walk through every single little gate, I think there's four or five of them getting up into the palace area. You kind of enter through this area and it just feels more grand and imposing and more like things are looking over you and there could any if you're like an attacker coming into that the first castle uh, castle bleak rock um you could easily see like up into these areas where there could be guards or archers standing up on the edges of the buildings in there and they could be aiming down at you and watching whatever you're doing which was kind of that idea that i was trying to go for there was very much more defense focused instead of more grand wow this place just looks really cool and amazing uh I, like the wizard castle i really like the the kind of you're, you're going for impressive but with two different kind of undertones to it like the wizard one seems kind of impressive as in like wow i'd love to go and like study here and the other one is impressive as if to say like we're the top dog don't mess with us i like that. yeah that's, more or that's, less <laughs> that's pretty cool that's pretty cool and, and it's interesting that you can carry that feeling from from one thing to another mm-hmm it's, it's amazing what you could do in Minecraft because if you look at the builds, minus the roof textures and the colors of it, because my first castle is all red roof, so it's very much just red and darker colors. And then the wizard castle is very much lighter blues and just blues and much lighter and more happier colors. And it's just even with just that change right there, it's just the whole atmosphere of everything around it just is completely revamped and totally different. I think I could I was actually the thumbnail of one of your recent castle videos and you were building the roof with purple blocks and i was like finally someone who uses purple like i i feel like purple is one of those sort of really over, overlooked and underused blocks but it's it's not something i've ever had a chance I, to build i did have to tweak the color on it a little bit did you? i right, had okay. i toned down the vibrance so it wasn't too crazy because mm -hmm. uh, even that stood out i've been using light blue terracotta blue concrete and blue concrete powder before bringing in the purple and even the purple compared to the concrete colors is just so vibrant. So I had to tone Super that vivid, down. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. I like the idea of, uh, of purple being more in line with, um, everything from the end, you know, like you've got, uh, ender pearls and ender chests and, and purple. And like, I feel like if they, if they aligned all that kind of stuff, it would make a little bit more sense. It just, it does sort of feel out of place, you know, especially when you see that in end cities with like the bright yellow cheese bricks and, uh, or endstone. And uh, I, it's cool to see it in roofs, of course, because you've got um, slayers and st slayers, stairs and slabs. <laughs> I did, I did, that's, that's twice I've done that on the podcast. You, you, can, you, uh, can, you can make those new slayers with the cutting table from what I've I heard. can now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's a stone. It doesn't count. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because like, it gives you more, more roof shape um, possibilities. And the fact that purple is just a straight like two by two 
tile texture mm. really lends itself to to roof tiles and stuff like that. I just I kind of wish that you could do more like that. I wish there was more blocks that you could make that would just have that simple two by two, uh, and you could use that for for various roofs and, and things. Be oh, we might we might get it. Maybe that's something that we can get with the <laughs> the stone cutter, right? Like that's that could be really really cool. Could be. Yeah, so moving on to our next topic. Johnny, I know that you have something that you wanted to throw out at the rest of us. Yes, speaking of stuff that's been a little bit overlooked, uh, I wanted to talk about vanilla features that sound kind of cool in theory, but just don't really have any practical use. And I've been thinking about this lately for Survival Guide, because when I went back and fought the dragon a second time, I bottled up a bunch of dragon's breath. And then I went, okay, well, I I guess I better take this back home and tell everybody how to make lingering potions. But then I thought why like it's good to introduce them as a feature and say this is possible but really generally speaking lingering potions don't do anything that a splash potion can't do and the duration is shorter you know like i've never really seen a practical useful lingering potions in the survival game i've rarely seen them used in adventure maps or creative builds or anything like that and so i i wanted to ask you guys what are some vanilla features that seemed like useful or interesting when you first heard about them and you thought yes i'll definitely use that but then when it comes to actually playing Minecraft, they just don't make it into your usual gameplay style. Uh, I would say 99% of everything that was released in the aquatic update. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, okay. I, I, I wanted, I was so hopeful about the aquatic update. I was really interested in all these new building blocks that we got, like all the coral, the dead coral, and all the coral fans and things like that. And I, I will say that I used some of the dead coral fans and I used some of the dead coral blocks. But for the most part, I don't really do anything with any of them. And especially, I don't really touch any of like the tridents or anything like that because I've just found that I would rather carry like a bow and arrow along with yeah. me than using a trident unless I want to make a charged creeper. Like I feel like that's one of the good uses of a trident that you can do mm-hmm. uh, in the thunderstorms. But outside of that, yeah, I, I would say a lot of what came in the aquatic update, like they're cool. It's cool exploring the oceans and things like that. But overall, I... I don't find a whole lot of use for them inside of the builds that I'm doing. Yeah. Especially it, the colored, like the live coral blocks. I, I haven't really used those yeah, at all. Yeah, they're, they're super bright as well. And it's not the kind of thing that necessarily lends itself to medieval build styles and so forth. I think it's one of those things that has a very niche set of things when it comes to what people are going to build with it. And I'm trying to leverage some of that in my survival guide series. But I kind of agree with you on the Trident. Like the reason I got a Trident so late into my, my series was that I I don't really like them as a weapon. I feel like they're only good against one hostile mob, which is Guardians. Um, On on Bedrock, this is apparently different. On Bedrock, it does... If you use Impaling on a Trident, it does more damage to basically anything if it's raining or in water. So if you've got a skeleton that's underwater, it does more damage to it. Whereas... In Java Edition, it's only good on mobs that are categorized as aquatic, which doesn't even include the drowned because they're undead. So, like, tridents as a weapon don't really have any kind of advantage over a bow or a stone sword other than the fact that they are better at range underwater. And how often do I fight underwater? Not very often. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you on the trident. I think it's very cool, but I don't necessarily play with it a whole bunch. How about you, Joel? Have you had time to think about this? I did, and surprisingly, I came up with a couple of things that were actually in in your notes. The first thing that popped into my head was most of the food. Uh-huh. Uh, it's cool that you can get a little bit extra saturation from like a beef steak compared to like a chicken, but chicken auto cookers are just so easy to set up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Alistair and I were just talking about this the other day because I've been taking some time and 
I wanted to learn a little bit more about pixel art. So I've been retexturing some of the crops in Minecraft because it's the kind of thing that I can retexture. It's going to make my world feel better to me and my little eye twitch is going to stop, but it's not going to break for anybody that's walking by. Like they're just going to see default potatoes and default beetroot um, and not have it affect my build. So it's food. Like I just, I, you know, there's pumpkin pie, there's cookies, there's all these different things that you can make in the game. And I never bother because there's no benefit to it other than, other than just like a little bit of extra saturation. And I get so much chicken from this one cooker that we set up almost a year ago mm-hmm. and we never have to look back. So I feel like that's a little bit overlooked and I wish there was more of a benefit to them, whether it's you know, we talked a little bit about having, uh, you know, a coffee effect in the game last week uh, and having, you know, a, a quicker, shorter burst of energy, you know, compared to a um, as a swiftness potion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like, you know, maybe not coffee, but you could maybe have strength or you could have really good saturation effects. Like the kind of things like, you know, people will save up or try to craft some golden apples for the dragon fight or, or for, uh, you know, a wither boss fight. Well, if you could do more like that, uh, if you could have better, you know, better things that were just regular food, then I think it would drive more, uh, more interesting, um, uh, I guess, crop uh, farms and, and gameplay at that level. It's interesting that you bring up the idea with like the food giving buffs, because I was I was actually thinking about the same thing last night. Uh, we were just chilling at home playing Stardew Valley and sitting on the couch and we've been trying to go through the skull mines if you guys are familiar with that game joel uh, so just like got most... stardew valley recently but don't spoil too much for him because he <laughs> yeah i haven't well. started playing yet it's i i keep, but, being, keep on meaning to get to it but life keeps on getting in the way yeah basically it's a really difficult place and a lot of the foods that you can make in that game the reason for having different types of foods is that they give you different buffs mm-hmm. so yeah. last night we were doing some research reading through the wiki there seeing like okay if we brought in these three different types of foods they all give us a five minute buff of like plus three to your defense or like plus three to your attack or extra looting or extra magnet range or things like that i feel like if they added that into maybe on top of the existing foods that we have in minecraft because i feel like these don't really need to change too much but it'd be it'd be an interesting idea to make it so that like instead of just oh i don't have to eat again for another 10 extra seconds because the saturation is a little bit stronger like Mm -hmm. have an actual reason for the buffs and that could play in so like a, a tiny beacon that's portable with you if you had enough of the different types of food. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be something realistic. Like it could be something like, oh, if you make a certain potion with, what's, is it the wither rose is the new, is one of the new flowers yeah, in the th- game? This, this is what they're trying to do with the suspicious stew that they're adding, where you can right. add a flower to mushroom stew and it creates like a really short potion effect. But the potion effect is so short as to almost be negligible and i think the problem right. as well is that they're they they're doing it with every single potion effect a lot of the time it's the same problem i have with tipped arrows like i don't need to shoot an arrow of healing at anything because mm-hmm. all it's doing is less damage and it's not I healing that's it. just like a hey watch out bud yeah <laughs> it's, it's like a warning shot arrow i guess but like even that kind of implies that i have anything in my world to give a warning shot to which in single player at least i don't I feel mm. like some of that stuff, it makes sense to have it in a PvP context and maybe you can craft stuff like that in PvP worlds or maybe it gets given out in mini games, and it's like a, a tiny advantage to strike somebody with slowness or blindness or something for a while. But 
I feel like those things just don't have much of a purpose for the average survival gameplay. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. They, and that was one of the things that came up a lot when I asked people this on Twitter as well. People said tipped and spectral arrows. They're another thing. I'm going to go on a big rant here, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> but spe- spectral arrows are cool because you can shoot something with them, and it gives them that glowing effect, right? Yeah, the probably, outline, yeah. Probably familiar with this, yeah. It kind of gives them a glowing outline. But the problem is when you've got a bow, when when you're at the stage where you feel like, yeah, I can craft some spectral arrows, you've probably got a bow that's got at least like power four on it because that's a pretty common <laughs> level 30 yep. enchantment to the point where you're one-shotting stuff anyway. So you don't need to have a glowing outline of whatever the thing is because you've just killed it. And the only two things that this might apply to a little bit better are the Ender Dragon and the Wither, but the glowing effect doesn't apply to either of those because they're bosses. And so I think, well, why bother? You know, it would be really useful to shoot the Ender Dragon with a glowing effect and be able to see where it is in the sky because sometimes if you've got a darker screen or whatever, it's harder to track down. Absolutely. I was going to say, it's pretty easy to keep track of the weather if you can't find explosions. I think you've got another problem. Exactly, like walk towards (laughs) the sound of everything around you being destroyed, right? But (laughs) yeah, it's... It's the problem with spectral arrows is that like you know, most of the time I, I expect again I'm not a PvP player never have been uh, they just don't have a use in PvE player versus environment the, nothing in mm. the environment like needs to be shot with a spectral arrow and so I feel like they only exist to give the glow effect a survival context so that the people who do stuff with it in map making and creative builds can do something more fun with it like i've seen yeah. loads of people demonstrating stuff like the psycraft guys whenever they demonstrate like look how much stuff is spawning out of this squid farm they apply the glowing effect to all the squids so you can see them through blocks that makes perfect sense but they're not doing that with spectral arrows so why do the spectral arrows exist i don't know yeah. it's it's a, a point of I, I guess a sore point for me at this stage Sli- slightly off topic here but you made me think of this yeah, because Joel, earlier you mentioned the Wither Rose, and then with fighting the Wither Boss, just out of curiosity, do you guys know that, because the Wither Rose will spawn on the ground for if another animal in that area dies, or if something dies to the Wither killing it, mm-hmm. but then the Wither is also destroying blocks around it. Yep. So is it able to destroy the grass block below it, and then because that item is now on the ground... If another blast hits there, does it destroy the Wither Rose too? I don't know if it plants it in the block. I think it just drops as an item. Like it's an additional drop from that mob once it gets killed. So like if it shoots a pig, it drops pork and a Wither Rose. And then yes, the Wither blows it up. <laughs> it's, and so it's, the item can be destroyed though, basically. I don't know if it can or not. I haven't <laughs> tried, but it seems like something that would be very, very difficult to harvest if it's just like another entity that can just be blown <laughs> up by, by the Wither. And... I feel like the only way to practically do that is going to be to do like what some people have done with tree farms in this latest update where they've trapped the wither in bedrock on the nether ceiling and you just feed animals into that and then like hit the wither with a snowball so it does that explosion and damages everything in the surrounding area. Like that breaks trees. Come on this way, buddy. It's going to be safe. Exactly. It's going to be fine over here. Just follow the wheat. You create like a passive animal farm that feeds them into a a wither based kind of thing. But that's the only like the only way I can think of farming wither roses reliably without the wither just obliterating them as soon as it creates them. So you could create a chicken cooker that feeds into an automatic wither farm and then you get (laughs) unlimited wither roses. (laughs) I feel like one of the videos that came out when the wither rose was first introduced talked about bone meal and i thought okay the first wither rose you get is going to be really hard to get but once you get one you can make more i thought i feel like that was if it acts like like, that was something if it acts like the two tall flowers then yes but i don't think the small flowers have ever acted like that unless they've changed that in the forthcoming update i don't know 
Mm, it's been so long. I yeah. don't remember because that the Wither Rose had a lot of attention when it first was announced, but like I haven't heard anything about it since. Like it's just it's people haven't really bothered with it much. Um, I the the thing that I would be curious about would be, um, would be the like the rate at which those those drop. Like, is it every time it kills an animal, or is it as a percentage? I think it's ev- I think it's everything it kills drops it. it. Okay, uh, as as though yeah. the wither is some sort of serial killer that's like leaving a rose on the grave of things it's killed. <laughs> but uh, oh, no, yeah, it's poor it's, chickens. Yeah, exactly, like a, chi- a serial chicken murderer. But anyway, back back to back to what I was saying. Some other people on Twitter gave some great examples of stuff like this. Like totems of undying are a great example. Like you, mm-hmm. you go through a woodland mansion to get one of them, but then you don't want to walk around with it in your hand just in case you die because that's an inventory space that is reserved for like torches or your shield or you know food if, or firework rockets if you're flying around that kind of stuff so it just it, it's a cool item in theory but it rapidly becomes very impractical uh on a technical side of things some people said obviously furnace minecarts are probably at this point the the most useless thing in minecraft aside <laughs> from poisonous potatoes um yeah. Some people said locking repeaters because repeaters have this functionality where if you run a redstone current through them from the side, it locks them. And I've never used this in a redstone contraption. I barely knew it existed until a couple of years ago. And I don't think I've ever seen a design that called for them. So it's one of those things that like, oh, that's another piece of functionality that the repeater has, but you so rarely see it that it doesn't make much of a difference. I feel like I've seen it once or twice, but it was such a specific, specific use case. And mm-hmm. it's in one of those things where someone's trying to make a farm so tiny. Like you have to really know what you're doing with redstone in order to use that function. Whereas people are usually like, Meh, this five by five redstone contraption is small enough yes. <laughs> and it works works in a straightforward way that I understand. So we're just going to leave it like that. And that's <laughs> that's kind of where I go because I, I forgot that you could lock repeaters. I get confused with the subtract mode on, on um, comparators. Yep. And I know that that has a little bit more functionality that's used a little bit more often, but uh, I find that that's a little bit, a bit tricky as well. Um, the other thing that pops into my mind is... Uh, gold tools because i've been um people know that i don't like the diamond tools so i've been retexturing them and i was talking with some folks in, in our um, discord about this and i also thought hmm what could i do that could be fun for gold tools like not necessarily functional i'm not going to use them because they're going to disappear in a heartbeat but like what th- there's something in the game that is like you never make them because there's no need for them but what could i replace them with like what cool thing could i walk around with if i wanted to do a little bit of rp or if i wanted to just add something decorative um we have the armor stand data pack on the citadel and i wanted to think about the kind of things that you might want to put for those small little details for you know interiors I remember seeing somewhere, I think it was on Hermitcraft, they put a shovel in an armor stand's hand and made it look like the shovel had been like, you know, stuck in the dirt. How you mm-hmm. like, you know, you yeah. can leave it standing vertically. And I thought, well, that would be great. But what if I turned a golden pickaxe into a rake or, you know, uh, turn it into something that that looked a little bit more like a proper tool mm-hmm. uh, or a kitchen utensil, you know, and and have that be be something around. And I just, I'm wondering if if, you know, why the golden tools are even in the game because they're so useless yeah gold tools were definitely another thing that came up but even after that some people gave some answers that were stuff that i use regularly all the time like somebody said enderpearls and sure enderpearls might not come into everybody's survival gameplay but i use enderpearls all the time not for Mm -hmm. transport i think that's maybe the thing that they were thinking enderpearls are used to to like go long distances i never use them to go a long distance away i always use them to just get up to the roof of whatever it is i'm building so i don't have to waste a firework on flying up there 
um, minecarts and shields came up quite a lot as well. And I feel like shields are something that I still use habitually, even if I, I've got full protection diamond armor, I don't necessarily need to. I still carry a shield around me because it's a way I can not take a hit on my armor. So obviously this is going to be different strokes for different folks, and it's it's been really interesting digesting people's responses to this and seeing what features work and what doesn't. I feel like there are some that are a bit more universal. I mean, things like tipped arrows and, yeah, like rabbit stew. Nobody makes that anymore. People said riding pigs as well, which I thought was a good one. Like, there have been horses, there are minecarts, there's elytra, there's so many other ways to get around. Nobody rides on a pig anymore except, you know, to be ridiculous. But, you know... Well, wasn't it pixel brew over on the realm of ashton like transport from one the old region to the new region riding a pig went like thirty thousand blocks or something like yeah. that and it's, said he was never gonna get on it's, it's like it's the minecraft equivalent of a fun run it's like doing a marathon dressed in a silly costume you do it because you feel like it not because it's practical yeah yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i i i know that during the um the the Moyang event earlier this year that they were talking about uh, in the dev panel afterwards they were talking about hopefully sometime someday overhauling minecarts yeah. and I wish they would I wish they would get to that because I feel like it's a <laughs> it's a big it's a big oversight like there's I remember using them in the first world that I made but once you have a Lytra, then you just don't care you just yeah. make your tunnels in the Nether big enough to fly through and it's just so much faster. Uh, I mean, unless you're doing something that's lore based, where you're actually creating like a minecart system that's meant sure. to look like it works. Yeah, or and minecarts like for minecarts for player transport, maybe not. Minecarts for mob transport and stuff, sometimes that's oh, one of the sure. most practical ways to do it. So, of course, yeah, what, yeah, 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 whatever overhaul they eventually implement, I really hope it keeps mob movement in mind because I don't want to just be moving stuff around in boats, especially if it yeah. hurt me while oh. I'm while I'm sailing. Well, we should probably yeah, yeah, move yeah. on to your uh, discussion topic, Joel, while we have the time because we're in danger of running sure. a little long here. Yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about, it's a little bit more broad. Uh, it is uh, something to do with being overwhelmed by, by tasks and projects in Minecraft. So when inspiration strikes for a huge build or something that could involve everything from terraforming to like custom textures, I find it can be a little overwhelming. Uh, recently, I made the decision to expand the Citadel and come up with some different zones or dimensions, uh, inspired very much by some of my visits to the Vastin Dimensions uh, server. The idea is that we've kind of got this aesthetic happening in the Dartmouth Meadows portion of the Citadel, and sometimes people are in the mood to build modern houses, and sometimes they're in the mood to build wizard towers and it doesn't always fit so i thought we'd create these zones and one of the first things i came up with was a sci-fi zone something that's like completely not medieval minecraft really break the mold do something different and i go down the rabbit hole of creative stuff and end up finding a texture pack that i think is really cool realizing it's not perfect and thinking about all the different things that i would want to change and all of a sudden this idea for fun (laughs) is more work than i had ever intended it to be oh yeah and I don't know where to start. So what I the what I wanted to ask you guys is when it comes to big projects, I mean, especially with you, Whip, on, on the show, uh, and actually, I mean, J- Johnny, you're doing a big, a big city build now too. Like when you are first faced with a big build, whether it's a town uh, or a biome or a feature, how do you approach the overwhelm? So we'll start with you, Whip. Like how do you approach that overwhelm of like, oh my gosh, this is going to be hundreds of hours or... You know, I don't even have the right blocks for this. Like, where, where do you start? Uh, yeah, so I think if you guys are familiar with the custom biome project that I've been working on, that probably fits the mold for this perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And for those who don't know, I've been stupidly trying to build an entire custom mountain range in Minecraft. Uh, it's sitting above a swamp biome, so obviously there's no hills or anything to build off on top of that. And currently at this point, I'm above 200,000 dirt blocks placed, and I'm above 150,000 stone blocks placed, and about a, like 40,000 snow blocks placed. So it's it's pretty massive at this point, and I would say... For the end goal I have of that project, I'm about 20% of the way done. Maybe. <laughs> wow. It's going to be a big absolute, one. Absolute madman over here. Like, yeah. It's, uh... it's, it's, but, but looking at it taking shape, it's just so fascinating. I'd love to hear more yeah, about that. Definitely. So a lot of how I first envisioned this one is I, I break everything up into small, itty-bitty little parts. If I don't have the general idea in mind for that specific part at that given time i just kind of focus on something else so something that i always go into and what i'm a big proponent of in for every minecraft build is break it up into little parts for the castles i've been working on for example like the wizard castle i broke it up into the main gate then i had four main towers in between each of those towers i had another small section into there of like the crossovers whatever they be the like the feast hall the grand hall just like these little library rooms there's all different parts of them so it's like okay today we're going to focus on not we're, we're not going to focus on the castle we're going to focus on this tower of the castle so that it breaks it down into something that's manageable mm -hmm. uh and then taking that back over into the the train build that i've been working on uh it first started by just basically building up these cliffways that transition from the farming village up into my big grand mountain range area so i created these hills these more bluff areas so it's basically the first thing i did was i created the outline for the cliff basically as far as i wanted to take it at that time before i got burnt out and then i built a few roadways that get up into that top area and because of where the roads split out i kind of traced the pattern for where i wanted the roads to go and that created this loose grid area of basically some days I would choose in between the road A and road B that everything in there I was going to work on terraforming today and placing all the dirt down there to mold things out. And a lot of what I focused on for the mountains themselves is making big pillars, just going straight up into the sky and hitting like 180, 190 block height limit or something like that. I mean, like, you know what? This looks pretty good for that next peak. And then like jumping back down, flying down, ender pearling down, whatever it be. Uh, and then going down and then coming up to another point and creating that next peak and just kind of slowly working from peak to peak instead of staring at this big massive project being like wow i'm only 20 percent of the way done <laughs> mm. so for me it's all about getting yourself organized and giving yourself a ton of resources because i've i've only recently as people who are familiar with the back episodes of the show will know i've only recently started getting into resource automation and farming stuff farming stuff that isn't just animals and I think for me, one of the biggest things when it comes to establishing a world and getting started on a big project is having all of those resources at your disposal so you don't have to stop in the middle of what you're doing to go out and mine some more. That is one of the biggest hurdles to overcome as far as focusing on a big project is concerned because it's a distraction from whatever flow you've got with the building that you're doing at the time. And then, you know, you've always got to keep going back for more. Whereas if you've got like a massive beacon mine and then you can just bring all of the stone up to the surface in shulker boxes and you've just got stone for days, you've got more stone than you know what to do with, that's a good place to be in. It's as close to creative mode as you're going to get in survival because you've right. got virtually unlimited blocks. And I think that's where the creativity starts flowing is removing the limitations of having to acquire those resources for yourself. And then 
it's wireframing stuff. It's figuring out what buildings are going to go where and then giving yourselves the shapes of those buildings to start off with so you can feel out what a space looks like and know where you want to make changes. I think that's one of the, the episodes I'm going to do in the Minecraft Survival Guide this week is start to wireframe out a lot of the builds that I want to do in my town just so I know where stuff is going and so I can get a feeling for each individual structure before I start to build up the walls and the roofs and everything. It's just about placement of everything first. And like like Whip says, break it down into lots of little tasks like that. And it sounds almost like wireframing is sort of what you're doing with building these pillars. It's kind of like yeah. you're, you're, you're creating a wireframe and you're kind of connecting things together and you're like, okay, now all I have to do is just fill in for the next... Yeah, you know, basically what I do is I go all the way up with that pillar and then I jump all the way back down and wherever I'm at, I try and make a diagonal line that would get me up to that point. Sure. I found that if I go like straight in line with it and just go straight directly up to that thing, the peak actually turns out pretty boring. Mm-hmm. But if I offset and move over like 10 blocks and like try and make that diagonal line up to the top of it, it seems to look a lot more natural in the end because I'm kind of forcing these diagonals to work together. Uh, but one interesting thing I was going to say uh, for you building up your city and anybody who's building up cities, one thing that I've found has helped me a lot uh, back when I was playing creative, but it can also easily come into survival is every time that you finish up a building until you're all the way done with the city, like you can see the roofs and things like that. Uh, but what I found was actually if you put a glowstone block and a little bit of a pillar of like a few like orange pieces of wool or something like that is like a little exclamation point above every building. It's like, hey, look, I got this one done. Hey, look, I got this one done. So as your city kind of grows, you can actually track your progress by seeing how many exclamation points are popping up (laughs) above every single one of the builds. And it's actually, I found it was a pretty useful way. And then you can have like different colors for being like, hey, I still need to do the interior on this one. If it's red, it's not fully done yet or something. It's kind of like positive reinforcement as well. You're just kind of taking off like, yep, this one's done. Put a cap on it. And, you know, <laughs> definitely, awesome. definitely. Some, something taken <laughs> off the checklist. I like that. I would that's be really forever cool. looking for the quest from the non-existent NPC that's in that building from my Warcraft. <laughs> just keep days. looking. Just like, He's in there, I swear. <laughs> He's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So for me, I've, I have found that I... I've just I've decided that I'm a planner. I am not so much someone that can shoot from the hip unless I'm doing landscaping. Landscaping is something I can do in game, no problem. But when it's a big build like my nether hub that we did on the Citadel and the current monster tree that I'm attempting on Bastin, um, the only reason I even signed up to do that tree, by the way, is that I have server mates that will be able to help. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I I'm not I'm not going at it alone. So I know that there's going to be some help in that in that regard. But I I went into Photoshop and people are, I will comment on Twitch and be like, oh, I couldn't draw like that. And I oh, come up with those lines, blah, blah, blah. And I would say, you don't have to know how to draw because something that's nice about Minecraft is that it's going to put everything in a straight line for you. So very similar doing pixel art. You just have to be able to click a mouse. You don't necessarily have to be able to draw a line. Uh, as long as you can do math, then you can come up with some def- decent shapes. And even if it's enough to plan out your city and then have an idea of like, oh, it's 130 blocks wide by 200 blocks deep or whatever. And then if you're in your world and you realize, oh, the section that I had picked out for this is actually too small. That's good to know ahead of time. And I find sometimes um, using a, a pixel art programs, Photoshop, you know, or even, you know, um, MS Paint, whatever you got, uh, or really cheap graph paper at the dollar store. Like just go get some colored pencils and a, and a piece of graph paper. And I find that it helps a lot, uh, especially with technical builds. I, when I was first learning how to do um, spawner collection and spawner farms, 
I would just map out the spawner. It's only 16 blocks. You know, you'd, you'd be able to figure out what your radius was, figure out where you need to stand, uh, all just by drawing a couple of things on graph paper, you know, and tracing those lines. And I found that that was really, really helpful for me. Uh, but I, I tend to do for 3D objects or not, not 3D, but for organic objects. So not necessarily castles and things, but this giant tree, I tend to approach it like I would approach designing you know a character whereas that you think about it from one angle and you think about it from another and you just kind of get draw the curves like draw the outside edges don't worry about the inside don't worry about the texture that's the kind of stuff that you're going to want to have to do for fun in minecraft and as as whip mentioned earlier it's a lot of trial and error right like you're just you're putting down blocks and you're changing things but for me it's it's more about getting the outline uh, sorted out and it helps if you're on a team too if you're not by yourself then once you have the outlines of something done then you can tell everybody hey dig here or you know fill in here and we can worry about stuff later and i think that things come together a little bit faster uh, and that does lead me into our last email today and that comes from cosmic dancer who is an ore producer in our discord and she says hi guys my question for whip what is your process for completing big buildings and landscape projects? Do you plan them out in creative or do you just go for it? Do you have any advice for a Minecraft player who currently builds quite small scale, but would like to try something bigger at some point? So I think we covered the second question already, but that first question about, you know, building stuff in creative, I'm curious because I know that I plan out on paper, but that's because I'm an artist and that's kind of like my, my natural go-to. Uh, so Whip, where do you plan your builds? Are you a big creative person or do you just do it live in survival? I will plan probably maybe one in every 10 builds over in my creative little super flat test world. And typically, if anything, that is just building the front facade of the building just to get a general idea of what blocks I want to be using for it. Uh, but a lot of the way that I go for planning the big builds and the big landscapes is actually similar to what you guys are saying about drawing them out on paper. But what I do is I hop into my spe my spectator account turn my chunk render distance up about as high as my computer can handle it and just fly straight up into the eye or straight up into the sky, look straight down and just take a screenshot of that after everything's loaded in like 20 minutes later when all those chunks are loaded in. And then I'll just take that area and just really loosely, very, very loosely plot out different areas. A lot of what I do for that is I'll take like for my winery build that I was working on a while ago, for example, I took basically the area that I want the winery, winery to be in and basically just cover that whole area in red just to get a general idea of what that would look like. And then I did, I had a few wheat fields I wanted to throw in there as well. So I just did like a big yellow mark for those. Mm. And then for the houses themselves, I just chose another color and then did a few little dots here and there for like, maybe this will be a tree. Like who knows what's going to happen in there. Um, so I find that for me really helps out with the general idea because I find when I'm in first person mode in the Minecraft game itself, it's a little bit harder to plan things out as I'm going because I don't have that bird's eye view available to me. So typically beforehand, I'll go kind of sketch up a very rough design. Typically, that's not the final copy. It's not even close to what that design was in the end, um, with within reason, of course. Um, but a lot of what I do is just take that screenshot, doodle over it quickly in Photoshop, and then jump in game and try and reproduce it while briefly looking at it on like a side monitor or something like that or tabbing over to it. It's kind of what I was doing with my Minecraft Survival Guide town was just mapping everything out with a top-down camera account and just making pathways to go around it and split everything off into different areas. So uh, I think, if anything, it seems it sounds like I'm doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I, it's go on, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was I was going to compliment you and say that I really enjoyed that episode or that episodes. 
uh, of uh, the survival guide with the, the the spectator cam looking straight down, it, it really, really hammers home the idea of planning out roads. And, and for big builds, I think that the survival guide right now is an excellent place to start. Yeah, I, I hope it's going to continue to be a good place because, uh, yeah, I, and I, I am slightly winging it a little bit, but it's I think it's coming together. It's probably the most organized I've been. So hopefully we're on the right track. And I've had a, a lot of a lot of great advice, I think, has come in just from us talking about this on this podcast. So I think we can all go home and apply some of what we've learned today. But yeah, that is that is going to wrap up our episode for today, folks. I know we have gone a little bit long, but hopefully you guys have enjoyed the discussion. And Whip, we have really enjoyed having you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on this episode. And I think it's been a great start to our hopefully long tradition of roundtable discussions on this show. Do you want to tell the folks at home, uh, do, do your plugs here. Tell, tell people at home where, uh, <laughs> where, they, where they can find you if they want to seek you out online. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It was an honor to be a part of the first one. So it was very cool being here. It's cool seeing how the show works and being actually a big part of it. And so <laughs> the behind just the scenes and, tour, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, but yeah, you guys are able to find me if you want to check me out. Uh, YouTube.com slash FWIP, just F-W-H-I-P. Uh, that's where most of my content goes up over there, largely YouTube right now. I occasionally am live over on Twitch at just twitch.tv slash FWIP TV. Uh, those are the two places that I throw out. 99.9% of the content that I'm producing and a lot of what I'm doing right now is just survival Minecraft and showing that you can kind of push the boundaries and look like a creative world but doing it all in survival is kind of my goal for this one so yeah thank you guys so much for having me today though an absolute pleasure well that's going to be it for us for now uh, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we talked about including the links that Fwip just mentioned over on thespawnchunks.com the music for the show was composed by me and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you get some value out of the show and want to see us getting some more great guests on the show why not consider putting some value back in where well, you can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community and pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and get us closer to our next milestone goal which is a quarterly patreon hangout we're currently at 48 patrons which is one up from last week and there are just a few days of january left for us to gain two extra patrons so we can round up the month with 50 patrons which we would absolutely love to do i think uh, but even if you can't support us financially through patreon don't worry because joel is going to explain some of the ways you can support the show without spending your hard-earned cash Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest and cheapest way to support the show. Just poke someone in the arm and say, hey, you should listen to this because it's cool. And they had whip on the show. Might be, you know, surprising how many people would tune in if you did that. You <laughs> can find us on the Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. So you can easily share us on social media. Uh, and beyond that, I would say server mates. Like if you're playing on a server, uh, I believe James wrote in and said that he likes to listen to uh, the Spawn Chunks while he's grinding out resources. I can't think of a better way to grind out resources than listening to a podcast. I did that last night. It wasn't the Spawn Chunks because I'm on this one, but I was listening to another <laughs> podcast. Uh, so yeah, I, I, would, I would suggest uh, talking to your server mates and trying to get them on board as well you can email the show if you've got thoughts for us about all the different things that we talked about at the at gmail.com you can subscribe on itunes android stitcher and spotify and the rss feed is found on the if you are a patron then the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page and that is the only place where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast 
My name is Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make some sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I play a variety of other games, and aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. I am open for hire right now, so drop me a line if you'd like to work together. If you like this show, you may also like the Citadel Cafe, where I talk about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment with my friends, and Comics Coast to Coast, where I interview comic creators. We're back this week on Comics Coast to Coast. We'd have an extended break over the holidays, but we've got a guest this coming Thursday, so that should be a lot of fun. You can follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram with just my name, Joel Duggan. I'm going to point you towards YouTube, where I've been getting quite a few followers lately, so come join hit subscribe because it's free and it's awesome so see you there thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite and all the tables are square <laughs>